We're grateful for your precious, precious promises, and we thank you, Lord, for what we have in your word. And as we turn our attention uh, to the scriptures this morning, we pray that as you get our attention, we would, uh, we would respond accordingly. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come into this place and revive our hearts and convict us where we need convicting and guide my tongue as I preach the word today. We pray all of this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to be with you today. Hope you're having a good day. No? Maybe? Possibly? Let me ask you this. Um, How do you receive rebuking? (laughs) I'm not trying to start on a super negative tone here. But I want you to think about like maybe the last time you were reprimanded and how you received it. I'm not just not just simply talking about outwardly, but maybe inwardly, for example. How did you receive that correcting or that rebuke? The reason for the question is we're going to be talking a bit about the preaching of God's word and what and, and what that implies as the Apostle Paul encourages. Timothy to preach the word. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'd appreciate it if you followed along. If you don't have a physical paper Bible, you, there is one in the chairs below you or in front of you, so you can grab one there if you want to turn to an app on your phone. It's helpful to follow along. We're only going to cover four verses today, but they are filled with depth, filled with depth. Uh, This one kind of preaches its own, and we're going to talk about preaching, so you'll see why in a minute. I want to read it for you as we get started. Reminder, these are really the closing words that the Apostle Paul not only gives to Timothy, but to the church before um, he he is persecuted and faces death. Uh, History records that was uh, likely by hanging or beheading. And so he is literally he is literally at the face of death. And these are his words, what we call the final chapter to his encouragement to the church. And it's why the words that he has for Timothy here are so strong. Look at verse 1 with me. He says, I charge you, I charge you, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge to the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. Notice it's it's not really Paul to Timothy. Instead, it's really a command that comes from the Lord Himself. Inspired by God, the Apostle Paul has a word from the Lord for us. Preach the word. Of course, Timothy was a pastor, pastoring at Ephesus. Preach the Word. Then he says this, Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. We like that? Do we like like those things? Do we like to receive those things? Probably not. But then it says this, With complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, But having itching ears, kind of a funny illustration, but we'll talk about it. 
They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths. We're going to stop there. We'll get to verse 5. Let's start with verse 1. To charge someone means to insist. Insist. I insist that you, Timothy, preach the what? Not just so much about the preaching, about what he is preaching. Which really distinguishes the church from those who call themselves the church. Now why would I make that claim? Bear with me for a second. The charge here is to herald or or proclaim the Word. See, preaching is not the same as teaching. It includes encouragement and warning and, and correction as it relates to the Word of God, which is laid upon the minister's heart. Herald. Herald the Word. How do you, how do you get your news? Um, we get it in a bit of a different way than Timothy and Paul might have received the news that they would hear on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis, month-to-month basis. Uh, in, in, in Timothy or Paul's day, someone might, might, might come into the city. I, I picture someone riding in on a horse. Whether that happened or not, I, I didn't do the research. <laughs> but a messenger would come to give the news. Today we get it on our phone. We, 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 we get it... Uh, uh, maybe on the, the TV or from the cable network, that sort of thing. And we can get it at all hours of the day. In fact, up to the minute almost, sometimes live news. And that's changed even in my day. I mean, I'm not super old, but I'm old enough to remember. <laughs> you're supposed to laugh. Um, to remember when I would open up a newspaper. Now, I know newspapers are still around, but I don't get the newspaper anymore. I have an app on my phone, right? I have it that instantly and sometimes live updates, you know, right in the middle of something important. <laughs> Usually from ESPN, but anyway. <laughs> um, really important news, yeah. But I digress. Back in the, the day, I also remember when I could turn to the maybe five or six network channels. Some of you are laughing because you're like, well, when I was growing up, it was like one or two or. Or none? No. Um, kids, you have no idea the age in which you are living. I'm serious. You have no idea. We've come a long ways, but in Paul and Timothy's day, they received news from someone who had come and heralded it to them. Now, why is that important? And why am I talking about this? Well, because the one who had come and heralded the news, so to speak, the messenger was simply to declare what was taking place. The, the messenger was not the expert or the philosopher or, 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 or the expert in debate or expert in his opinion. The preacher is to declare the word that God has done, what he is doing, what he will be doing. The, the preacher is to declare the word of the Lord. And this is, this is church, helpful. It, it's encouraging. It's, it's empowering. And I'm not just talking about for a preacher, because this applies to each one of us, because the context here is to evangelize or to be an evangelist, and we all have a role to play in that. But think about how encouraging this is. 
I mean, when we declare the word that we have been given and have been given in full, it is the message that God has given you and instilled within your heart. I'm glad that what I have to share with you today is not from my own head. For I have very little to, <laughs> to give you. Seriously. I'm so thankful that what I have the privilege of sharing is the Word. And what He has done in my life. And what He is doing in my life. And what He will do in our lives. Sometimes I hear people say things like, well, I don't know if I could ever do that because I'm not sure what I would share. You know what the encouragement is? It's really not your word. And that's both an encouragement and an, and a great uh, empowerment to our lives. Consider, consider what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy here. Do you notice what comes next in, in verse 2? He says, he says, just two words, be ready. Be ready. I don't know what comes to mind for you, but what this simply implies is that you won't have any time to prepare. <laughs> to the perfectionist, you're like, that's not fair. I'm not about that. No, that's really what it implies. You will not have time to prepare. You'll be in situations where you will not have the you will not be afforded the time to go back and look at the, the the different study materials that you have no no there will be moments there will be times timothy when you will just have to give an account and you will not have time to prepare which reminds me of first peter 3:15 where it says but in your hearts hear this in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. This is, it's really all in the same that the Apostle Paul is encouraging us here. If every day we honor Christ, and our words honor Christ, we will be ready to give an account. As for the preacher, he speaks from the heart and of course prepares what God has laid upon his heart. And yet there are times and there are places and there are things that we have to do in which we have no time to prepare whatsoever. And so God says, well, as you live it out and as you live in it, oh, you'll be, you'll be ready. You'll, you'll be prepared. In other words, you don't have to have a PhD in biblical studies or Christian worldview or apologetics to share the hope that is in you. But what does Peter say? Be ready to make defense if someone asks you for the reason for the hope that is evident in your life. So, so if, like if it's evident to someone else, it will be evident to, to you. You share, you, you share the hope that is in you. Ever heard someone say, 
I just don't know how anyone could make it in this life or, or make it through hardship or make it through what we're going through in the world today or pandemic, things like that, without Jesus. That's, that's the hope speaking there, is it not? I, I don't know where I'd be at in life if, if I didn't have the Lord. That's, that's the hope speaking there. That although the world will live in fear, and not to suggest that we don't ourselves, there is something within us that leads us to a place where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that His promises are true, just as we sang right before I walked up here. And that we can trust them. And if we are obedient and we walk in this, He is faithful. And we see this in everyday life. I mean, one of the proofs of God's Word, I've certainly said this before, is that if you choose to honor God and walk in it, you will be blessed. Now, that doesn't mean life will be easy, but you will be blessed. And if you choose sin and follow after it, you will suffer. We see that in every aspect of life. Moving on, be be ready Be ready. You notice what follows. Be ready in season and out of season. That just means whether it's popular or not. (laughs) Whether it's received well or not. That's what it means. Preach it anyway. Preach the Word. That's all you have. Preach, Preach the Word. Now why would anyone receive it poorly? We can ask ourselves a question. I started the talk at the beginning with the very question. Well, because the preaching of the Word is a call to maturity and change and redirection and refinement and growth, and we all love that, don't we? We all handle that so well. Maybe not. Look what this charge involves. First, reproof, or to be reproved means your preaching is intended to expose. Just saying that word. I might say sometimes in my preaching, here's what God's Word says, but here's what we like to do. Right? Here's what is God-honoring, but here is what we are more inclined to live like. Let me just say this. It is very important that church, your pastors preach the Word of God and all of its counsel, and, and not fear the reaction of people from the perspective that if we are people pleasers and say only the things that people want to hear, then we are pleasing people rather than pleasing the Lord whom we serve. So reproof at times is necessary because God has called the minister not to turn a blind eye towards sin, Right? But in one sense or another, we are all called to live out and share the very love and grace of God with others. A bit further though, we, and I mean we, must not be afraid to address the heart and the sin within the heart. 
Because if we avoid hard things that expose and convict, we're not really preaching the word, for it will, as it says, convict and expose. So we are to be courageous to preach the word in a manner that, for example, personalizes the text. What do I mean by that? Well, if the focus of our teaching avoids relevance and application to our own lives, if I focus my preaching and teaching on things like all, all the other bad churches out there, <laughs> if I were to do that, well, then I would not be doing my job for, for we need to hear this for ourselves. And the same is true if we receive or struggle to receive the Word of God, even as it exposes and convicts us, then, then we are acknowledging a lack of understanding, for it was certainly given to us for this reason, as the Word of God. And the Torah was given to Israel. After they left Egypt and were wandering through the desert, and, and needed needed to be refined and corrected as God prepared them for the promised land that was ahead. I liken the application of this to Luke 6.42. It says, how can you say to your brother, Jesus says, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. That's right, Jesus said that. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. By the work of the Holy Spirit, through the Word, we will be reproved in order that God would make us into that which He desires His church to be. And that's not always easy. It's not always fun. Sometimes standing up here from time to time is, is hard, especially when you look upon faces and they're like, don't you tell me what to do. Now, that's not you, that's other people when I'm visiting other places. <laughs> it's not always easy being a minister, and yet we are all called to this work of evangelism because we all play a role. Reprove. What's the second thing? What does it say here? What does your version say? What? A little louder? Rebuke. Rebuke. It just means warning someone of consequences. You know, the thing of it is, think about sin for a second. Sin has consequences. That's not my opinion, it just does. If you follow a path that is destructive, it will destroy, right? Does everyone agree with that? Yeah? Almost all of you, or maybe the time change is messed you up a bit? Anyway, that's not a rebuke in itself. I just Warning someone of the consequences. It might sound harsh or be difficult to strike up the courage to do, but if someone is driving towards a cliff, you might want to tell them to put on the brakes, right? <laughs> right? Uh, the obvious illustration here, and it's true. Because that truly could be the most loving and caring thing we would do, even at risk of, and here's the tough thing, 
even at risk of our relationship with that person. Of course, the Apostle Paul reminds Timothy that these things are to be done both. Do you see that there? Look, look back at the text with me. They're to be done both instructively and patiently. How do you rebuke someone instructively and patiently? Think about that for a second. Not, not that we are being all told here to go and find someone to scold. That's really not what he's saying. But how might we instruct someone patiently? Like what my oldest son told me some months ago. Matthias, if you're listening. Off at school. I was, I was reprimanding the dog for peeing on the floor. Isn't that a shocker to you? So I get done saying what I said and doing what I did. He says, Dad, you can't get mad and blame the untrained dog for doing untrained things. We need to train him so that he'll do trained things. I thought that was instructive and a patient rebuke. My favorite part, though, is when he said, I just watched a YouTube video on it. And I told him we're cutting the internet and the phone if it's going to make you rebuke your dad. No. <laughs> no, but there, there's a picture. I think we all know in our hearts the difference between uh, church being the moral police in your neighborhood and loving and sharing the grace of God. And how some days we're called to say hard things just ask a parent. In other days, we're called to be patient. Reprove, rebuke. What's the third thing? Exhort. Does everyone have exhort, or are there some other versions that say something else? Exhort. Anything other than exhort. Pressure. That's actually a more literal translation. That's a good one. I'm glad you, you said that. Pressure. That's what it means. I don't always think of it that way, but it means to urge or, or to pressure. Now, we don't always like to be pressured, but the idea here is that we would not give up when someone fails. Church. Are we a church that doesn't give up when, when our brother or sister fails? I hope we are, because that is certainly what the Apostle Paul is encouraging of us. That we would be patient, that we'd give second and third chances, because we ourselves have been given second and third chances by God. If you uh, find yourself saying things or thinking things like, well, they got themselves into that situation, they're going to have to get themselves out of it. You might want to check your your heart. Or maybe you've thought or said, why would I give you another chance? You already messed up more than once. Again, the reminder is to urge or pressure with patience for God has been patient with us. And church, this is how we receive the Word. 
This is how we receive the Word. This is, this is why we come into places and spaces like this and receive teaching. I've said it before, I'll say it again. This might be the most humiliating or humble thing, and I don't mean that in a really negative sense, that we do in a week's time, that we come in and hear the, the preaching and the teaching under someone else's Word and, and receive that. But it's necessary it's necessary because we don't have it all together, nor do we know all things. And most importantly, this is where the gospel comes in. As believers in Christ, we are persuaded to love and honor Jesus because He first loved us. Because God was gracious to us. So that we could grow in the grace that He offers us. So that even though the refining and the pain and the hardship of change as we walk through it is difficult, we are called to receive it, for on the other side we will be that much better for it. And we will glorify the One who we are to honor and glorify. Why the strong charge? This is really important. Look again at verse 13. Church, why the strong charge? It says a time is coming. That should get our attention. A time is coming and is now here when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. You know what that means? It means they won't have time for this anymore. There's a time coming and is now here in which people will not have time for this. They'll have time for other things, but not time for this. I want to say, how, how did the Apostle Paul know what 2022 would be like? Seriously. What, what a convicting thought. And what a picture of our world. It says, instead of having time for this, instead of receiving this, instead of growing in this, it says, they will want something more pleasing to the ear. And he gives this really unique and odd picture. He says they will have itching ears looking to please their own passions. And what that just means simply is, as an itch needs attention, their ears will need their own attention, which is just kind of a euphemism, which really just means simply they'll want to hear what they want to hear. Now, now, I'm not pointing the finger when I say this because we are all prone to this. In fact, as the culture goes, so does the church, sadly. But I want you to consider what this means for each one of us and the world we live in today. That we live in a day where people will want something that pleases them over what is right and true. That they will find a professional or an expert in every area or aspect of their life to tell them what they want to know. Isn't that interesting? No, no, no. Tell me what I want to know. I'm only going to find podcasts that tell me what I want to know. Well, the day is here. The, the day in which we accumulate for ourselves the things that we want to hear, even at the expense of what God might say. And that's our world. If we have a certain opinion about life, or, or death, or 
marriage or sexuality or relationships or forgiveness or eternity or judgment or politics, doesn't matter what it is, they will gather up teachers and teachings and opinions to fit their opinions and pleasures. For rather than serving God, he says earlier in the chapter, they will serve themselves. What a day we're living in. And no one here, no one here should point the finger. I heard someone say yesterday, what a troubling time we live in. Oh, it's true. And yet, as we are tempted to go the way of the world, what we are told to do and what we are encouraged in is this. It's verse 5. If you're following along, look with me at verse 5 as I close. You are not to follow the world and its itching ears and go after the things that the world is turning to. But you are to keep preaching the word and receiving the word. And this is what it will look like. He says, as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. How does that apply to each one of us? Well, being sober-minded is not just keeping influences from our body that will cause us to be inebriated. It's not only that, although that certainly can apply. To be sober-minded means to be watchful. As we would not let anything distract us from the Word taking root in our heart. That includes what we do on a Saturday night leading into Sunday, would it not? Because as, as we are preparing to receive the Word, we are to be sober-minded and we are to be watchful, knowing that the enemy wants to destroy. And that is exactly what we're seeing. The very, the very foundations of society destroyed. Family, relationships, the church. So be watchful. Be sober-minded. Then he says endure suffering. Just means don't give up or give in, even if it gets difficult. Rather do the necessary work. I mean the work that you're called to. The work that it takes to share the love of Christ. And fulfill. Fulfill. Now you might say, how can, how can I fulfill? The work is endless. Oh, the fulfillment is up to the Lord. The finished work of Christ has been done. Rather, entrust what He has done within you. Within you. As we respond in worship and prepare our hearts for what we will receive in Holy Communion. Would you stand with me as we respond to the work that He is doing within our hearts through the Word in praise and in worship. Heavenly Father,
We are encouraged and yet convicted. And we know that's for a reason. And so I would just pray, Lord Jesus, as you prepare our hearts to receive you, Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has made a way to salvation, forgiveness of our sins, where we can move on from living in the guilt and shame of the past and forward into the hope that is found in you, Jesus. Lord, we pray that as we are reproved and corrected, Lord, that we would allow that work in our lives so that we could move on to maturity. As you would be glorified in our lives and we would be a picture, Jesus, of your love and grace. So we pray for that now, Lord. And we proclaim the truth of your promises as we receive them in our hearts today.